0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Corecast, the podcast of the Cornet Northern California chapter. We are into season seven, if you can believe that. My name is Robert Teed, and I am thrilled to be your regular host of Corecast, where we bring you guests and content that are both timely and relevant to what's happening in the world of work and workplace and we keep a particular focus on the northern california region which is home to some of the most exciting companies and work and workplace developments on the planet when i'm not hosting corecast my day job is as founder and ceo of integri group where i'm an executive coach a strategic advisor and a consultant and i bring to my work three decades as a corporate real estate and workplace executive if you want to connect with me or are interested in learning more about me and my work, you can find my info in the show notes. I'm also a longtime active member of Cornet in Northern California. I'm a facilitator in the chapter's leadership development cohort, and of course, I have the privilege of hosting CoreCast. This is just such a special episode for me because I get to talk with my good friend, my longtime colleague, fellow dad and newly minted president of Cornet Northern California, Ernst Kalis. Ernst and I, we talk often, but it's such an honor for me to sit down with him in a more intimate setting and get to see him through a different lens with me as an interviewer, him as the chapter president, and hopefully we get to dig in a little bit. Uh, now, many of you listening, you know Ernst, or you know of him uh, from his decades-long career in corporate real estate and his long-standing involvement with Cornet. And we're going to cover some of his career and his Cornet history, but we're also going to try to get into areas that are less familiar to most, even if you happen to know Ernst. Uh, I expect to learn a lot about him from this discussion. A little bit about Ernst in his professional domain In addition to serving as Cornet Northern California chapter president for our current term of 2023 through 2024, Ernst currently leads real estate and workplace at Abnormal Security, and that's a role he's held since March of 2022. And we'll ask him to share a little bit about the company and his work there. And he has some serious professional bona fides earned across his three decades in the corporate real estate and workplace industry. Ernst has held senior positions at Adobe, at AppDynamics, at Rambus, uh, 3PAR, at Logitech. I'm probably using a few Logitech devices as we speak. Uh, Trammel Crow, which is where he and I first became friendly. Uh, Philips, Extricity, and then early in his career at Franklin Templeton. Some really great brands that he's been affiliated with. Uh, in addition to his portfolio of his corporate gigs, Ernst has been in a leadership capacity within the Cornet Northern California chapter for well over a decade, r- roughly 13 years if my math is right. And in that time, he's dedicated hundreds, if not thousands of hours to the chapter. Uh, in fact, as a side note, Ernst is the reason that I spent as much time as I did in chapter leadership and on the board of Northern California. But you know, maybe we touch on that a little bit later. We'll get Ernst to talk us through some of his history with the chapter and, uh, and help us understand sort of what's changed and what's evolved over his time that he's been involved with it. Ernst graduated from Cal Poly with a bachelor's degree in industrial technology with an emphasis in facilities management. And he's really one of only a handful of people that I know who has a college degree that is focused on the industry in which we work. Uh, workplace in in real estate Uh, and and that's impressive and, and you see that in Ernst when you get to work with him. Ernst went on to earn a master's degree in business from Golden Gate University and we'll also get to know Ernst a bit outside of his professional domain but first I want to bring him into the conversation. So Ernst, welcome to CoreCast. Thank you for being here and congratulations on being chapter president. It's really well deserved my friend.
1: Thank you, Robert. It's uh, very good to be here and have you on the other side of the mic. Um, Obviously, we have a long history, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a good conversation for today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to have a blast.
0: I always like to ask all of our guests what I missed in my introduction. You know, I know I just sort of skimmed the surface of your professional career, but what did I miss? What would you like listeners to know about you, you know, sort of out of the gate uh, before we get a chance to dig in?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the professional careers is when you look at sort of my my experiences i think um one of the things i definitely sort of gravitate to is looking at really where can i achieve some growth not only for myself but for the company that i'm actually going for so there is sort of a trend that you know i don't typically like to leave companies i like to stay pretty loyal and and but if something shifts in the in the way where either of those aren't actually being accomplished. I'm not afraid to take a risk with my career, learn something I didn't know, but really wanted to provide what kind of influence and what kind of change can I bring in a lot of these companies going forward. I would add, though, it's interesting we talk about professional career, but I can go back to my first job when I was 16 years old and every job from that point forward to today has shaped me in some way in different ways. So everything that I've learned, even the jobs I didn't care for, I've learned and actually use it every day in how I manage in in the companies that I'm in, whether it be just being part of sales or customer service oriented or really be diligent of jack of all trades and trying to be, you know, um, you know knowledgeable in many different areas so um that that stayed with me so there's roles and there's actually some roles that were related to workplace that I had no idea would be uh applying today like installing furniture um but uh they definitely um has has worked in my favor
0: Yeah I love that you're able to pull that thread through sort of all of your roles and uh, you know through your career um let's fast forward to today you are at Abnormal Security. Um, tell us a little bit about the company. Tell us about your role and tell us a little bit about the, the work that you're doing there.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's always difficult to leave a company. I always feel like I always want to leave it better than when I came. Adobe is a fantastic company, um, but they're also growing in different ways, you know, much larger than, you know, um, they're getting pretty large. And so a lot of times, although it's a meaningful career and role, Sometimes I want to probably see more, uh, you know, growth that where I can actually really show the contributions about what my myself and my team can do. And Abnormal came by just kind of pure accident, but it really stems from the relationships that I've developed in my career with other people within uh, not only my industry, but in a lot of these companies where, where I'm with um, You know, old finance people, legal people. So I first got introduced to Abnormal by people I used to work with at a former company that had a role and they said and reached out and really were looking to see if I was interested in building up a company from, you know, at the time 250, 300 people and growing it through IPO and really building that foundation to scale. And it turns out there are actually uh, three to four colleagues that I've already known. And so this sort of impressed upon me. Obviously, you know, you've know, gotta be careful chasing certain things. And I wanted to make sure too, that the product that they were selling is something one I believed in, something I thought that had a lot of um, uh, um, more growth within that that industry they're in. And it's in this case, cybersecurity and software and, you know, and also, you know, having meaningful work, being able to contribute and having a a good leader to sort of really work with. Um, One of the other things I've always looked in is making sure that I had the voice. You know, I never want to go to a company where they're just telling me what to do and we just follow, you know, I'm there to bring a value of my experience and what I can bring and obviously trying to be the subject matter expert to help guide their strategy, whether it be from real estate or down to just an operational level. And then the last part of it, then this is where it was an exciting part where so it can be a little scary is where we're, we're actually at the cusp of developing a new ecosystem for our workplace. As you know, as you well know, you know the the. The hybrid work style, the remote work style is very different as we we are experimenting now after the pandemic, and really is is establishing the ecosystem to be mostly remote. Um, so it's a less of a play on real estate, but more of an a play on remote enablement. And in my definition, remote is anywhere you work. So you can still walk into one of our offices when it makes sense, or a co-working space. And we're and and I'm leading the effort in ensuring that we're building the right enablement for our workforce anywhere we work. So we can attract talent, and it it's not so specific with location. Obviously, there are severe concentrations, but it's exciting to sort of, you know, put together uh, a foundation to sort of really move this forward and really um, benefit our company from having a lot more remote workers around the world and uh, developing our products um, for, you know, protecting... Um, from having the cyber, protecting cybersecurity from you know attacks and around the world.
0: Yeah. So the company size, you know, how many employees are, are you able to share that?
1: We're now closer to about six hundred. Got it. And that was that's literally within you know we we've doubled in size pretty much in less than a year.
0: Wow. So your ability to have impact, to have a voice. To be a part of that growth story, that seems to be really present for you, and and I love that uh, for you. And you talked about the people that were already there, the people that you know and trust, the people that you have relationships with. I'm assuming that that part was really important to you as well.
1: Yeah, it's very important because we, even though we've haven't worked together in four plus years, we sort of hit the hit the ground running and. When you have a company that scale and they're entering new markets, they're going into different directions. You know, these are the people that I've actually spent some time building processes and procedures, whether you're expanding in different countries, you're setting up um, you know, business entities to sort of function as a business in a particular country and all the growing pains associated with you know company scaling, you know. And I think this is where a lot of my experience in in different size companies really comes to bear because as a large company, you have. Obviously, you have a lot of resources and a lot of tools that you've implemented over the years. And so you can almost envision the roadmap of a small company. It's like we can't buy everything or can't do everything, but we know that this is what's most important today as we scale and potentially as we become a public company, when you have sort of that complete cycle of, you know, investors that are making sure that you have compliance and a lot of other things. So we can set the groundwork so we can, you know, make sure that, as we sort of grow, we have the we've already set up the foundation, and the processes for us to really manage what we're doing in our business.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are in startup mode and they're going to take a lot of inspiration and in what you just said, or they're thinking about taking the same journey you did from big company to smaller company or startup company. So love that you were able to share that and, and hopefully provide some inspiration to those folks. Well, this is a chapter podcast, so let's click into your involvement with the Northern California chapter a little bit. First and foremost, you know what led you to want to sit in the president's chair? Uh, when did that sort of start for you?
1: Well, I, I think you know it's not something I thought of other than maybe the last couple of years. You know, there was a time where I did take a um, my my one of my former roles was so i was so involved in heavy travel i actually had to take a break from porn a little bit just because i was you know hopping on everywhere and growing a hyper growth company uh, in different markets so it took a little time away and i think that was a little bit beneficial because i got refreshed a little bit but i'd already spent you know a couple roles on the leadership but i think really as you know One of the reasons why Coordinate is so valuable has a lot to do with the fact that I was mentored when I was actually starting out in my career. In addition that, you know, there wasn't, I probably will date myself here, but internet was not available to most of us to learn and find things out. So we really had to depend on the network of people. Um, So I belonged to other organizations. I think Cornet wasn't formed back then. Um, In addition to reaching out to a lot of friends and colleagues that I know were in the industry to really understand what I was about, what what I was doing, just to make sure that I – You know experience is good but finding out how somebody else did something and getting you know a best practice or at least an experience so i can avoid any of the pitfalls that they experienced, i think is and it's really important as i went forward so that's really where i really got more involved and just wanted to participate and volunteer within um you know not just as an organization for myself but really giving back and being able to be part of an organization that really strives to advance corporate real estate in the many of the learnings that we offer, the education, uh, the experiences, and also the networking of people. Because I think the the people is what you learn the most from. You know, you can read something from a book, get a degree, um, but balancing that with you know real world experience from your peers um, is extremely important. And also, you can give back to others as well in that sort of same you know environment. And then, as you sort of got to the point, you know, we, we, you know, I guess in some ways you become a little bit more vocal in certain of our leadership meetings, and then you kind of get to the point where you know I could probably do more, and I can probably like lead this chapter in different ways into the next stage. You know, we're always going through a cycle, right? we we had the pandemic, now we're post-pandemic, now we're sort of coming out of that. So I felt that I had a really pretty good idea of what I wanted to to sort of have the board and the leadership really move us forward to. And I think that, you know, obviously it, you know, took some conversations with some people like yourself into, you know, understanding what I, you know, the, the role itself to make sure that I could be successful in leading sort of the board and the leadership and the chapter to really bring that value to all our members.
0: Yeah, well, I will just say you are so qualified to uh, be in the role that you're in. Uh, You've made the investment in time. You've invested in the network. You know, everything that you talked about, you've just been a stellar citizen. Uh, when it comes to Cornet, And I appreciate that. And I'd love that you're in the president's seat. And that leads me to ask you you know, you just uh, recently had uh, your strategic planning session with your uh, leadership team, with the board uh, for your term. Uh, take us inside the room. You know, how was that for you? I'm sure there's some new players. And what are some of the big themes that we will be seeing um, from your term that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an exciting time anytime you can get everyone together in person to really move the chapter forward because it's really not necessarily – you know, what I want to do is really listening from all the committees and all the all the different uh, opinions regarding how we can sort of really move the chapter forward. And I think we're coming out of an interesting time. You know, obviously his history of fantastic presidents before me, you know, but coming out of the pandemic and then kind of really in some ways coming back to, you know, in-person events, there's some things that we saw over the year that we thought we can it's changed a bit you know i think you know what we're seeing is that you know although we still strive for the connect grow and learn in a lot in the the networking portion of it i think what we want to do is really kind of show you know how do we add value to how every individual values i think everyone values something very different in sort of what they come from cornet for and some of those are multiple things but in a lot of ways they're they're taking, you know, their involvement very differently than they are today. Some aren't really, you know, arriving at every monthly chapter meeting. They may take sort of a lunch and learn from a different group. Um, and so, one of the things we really want to do is make sure that all our members, service providers and end users alike, really can um, see the value that we sort of bring in those topics and the the conversations and the connections that we can provide so i i often challenge the the leadership in there that you know we want to get into a point where you know, we want to sort of evolve. So maybe we did some things a certain way and they're working fine. But if you're, let's experiment and, and I wouldn't say break things to, to a degree, but it's okay to try something new because it may have a different value. And we've heard this from some of our, our members of, well, well you know, this was okay. And, you know, so, you know, obviously we can't strive to bring, we always want to have quality content in everything we do. But some people have different, you know, they're in different periods of their stage of the career and some things may not apply. But we want to make sure that at some point through the whole year of their membership, they're actually um having things that value throughout the the different um events and programs that we do have. So I wanna have more value, more impact. But I also want to sort of begin a a better process of measuring and getting better analytics so we can actually see where people are attending and sort of the value we we've done this sort of to a degree a little bit, but you know, sometimes you always look at the numbers and the numbers, yeah, you can get a hundred people to 200 people, but did they really find value in what they saw from the perspective of whatever they're dealing with at that time, whether it be an end user or a service provider, because we're always in this melting pot together. We can't do what we do without everyone that's around us. So I want to really look forward to, you know, start measuring the things we do, really align ourselves to bring in that value and impact for all our members.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that the evolution that you talked about because I think it's very true that different members will get different value out of different things. And having a multimodal sort of value delivery system is important and I know you've been advocating for that for a long time. And now you're in a place to do that. Um, and if you zoom out to the end of your term, what does success look like? Is it that the value prop has gotten a little wider? that the feedback is more positive? Is it sort of other things? Like what what would success look like?
1: You know, I think that success would look like that where people have appreciated sort of the content we bring and that, um, you know, obviously we know that a cornet can be an intimidating environment because when you have, you know, close to well over 600, 700 members coming into a meeting, if you don't know anybody, but really want to make sure that, we reach out to everyone, that everyone sort of uh, to be as inclusive as we can um, in everything that we do and really have sort of that lens that we're always, you know, making sure that people aren't left behind wherever the stage in their career. You know, we want to look at the programming too and make sure that, you know, it, the content has some variety to it. You know, a senior leader isn't going to take much from someone who's doing a pre-IPO program and understanding, you know, the, the the pitfalls with working with small companies and young leadership. Um, but we sort of want to bring that all together in sort of different ways. So what I really want people to get at is that they're able to sort of, you know, I hope that they see the long-term value of Coronet because I think that in our careers now, this life cycle changes constantly and you'd be surprised how, now you know this, you do a job change and all of a sudden you're across the room from somebody you already know. And that has some great value that they sort of already have familiar, you know, they're familiar with you as well. And that can help you in either your next role or, you know, being the person to sort of introduce you to somebody else. So I want to make sure that if success to me is that they felt that we had quality program, they've learned something, and they've actually taught somebody and gave back. You know, I want people to be more involved. Um, because I think it, it truly you really have the best benefit when you're immersed in what you're doing and have a little volunteerism in, in there as well.
0: Yeah, I love that there is a bit of a call to action in uh, what you just said. You know, I've always thought of Cornet as a place where you can be a passenger or you can be a driver in the organization and you can get value out of whichever role you're in. But that driver's seat, that's where you get more value that's where you um, start to give back. That's where you join a committee. That's where you get super engaged. And again, that's something you've advocated for, and you've done it. You've set the example over the years. And that leads me to a question for you. You know, if this episode is reaching someone who is not yet a member of Cornette, um, you know, what's your pitch to them, why they should join?
1: Well, I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, this is not something we do as an individual. This is something we do as an individual, but also for the benefit of the organization that we represent. I think, you know, it accelerates your learning in many different fields. I think it also creates an understanding how someone who could be in an entirely different trade or actually an end user have a different perspective to help advance your own organization. And whether it be through business development or, or you know, things that are, um, changing in the marketplace certain trends. I think it accelerates your ability to learn, but also some way in that conversation, you have the ability to also give back. And I think, you know, we've shown mentorship is so important these days. Um, You know, I'm sure we're going to get back. I saw one of the other questions we were talking about, about how the industry has changed. And I think that we owe it to ourselves to really advance the the corporate real estate function and really make sure that we are educating people and become more well-rounded because there's so many different subject matters and things that we have to sort of manage that they can accelerate the learning. They have a, a, an influence to bring this information back to the company and really tailor their programs in a strategic direction to what the company is headed for and making sure that you're um, adapting those different um whether it be processes or new ideas into the company. And I think that's where it's also very important where that's where we can sell to our, our senior leaders in our company and say, this is why I'm part of this organization. It does, there's no question that benefits me, but it also benefits them. And we need to make sure we we transfer that knowledge into those organizations so we can make our organizations better.
0: Yeah, if you're listening and you're not already part of Cornette, uh Ernst just gave a really good, overview, why being part of the community, why being part of the best practices, why being engaged in the Northern California chapter makes a lot of sense because you get a chance to take that value back to your company. You get individual value. Your company gets that value. You get to participate and learn. So I think that was a really powerful sort of pitch for those that aren't already part of Cornet. Now, for a member who is newer and is still learning the lay of the land, maybe they've been a passenger uh, in the organization. You know, What advice do you have for them as far as getting involved and getting engaged in the organization uh, and even connecting with some of our more senior uh, members like yourself?
1: Yeah, I think that. The involvement is so important. I mean, whether, I mean, and we know that time, it can be limited, but you find that you have a passion for certain things. I and mean, we have some great subject matter committees that focus on like the women of Coronet, um, obviously sustainability and, and, you know, which is a brand new one we just formed. So you have a way to sort of help educate and help drive the programming for that. Um, I also think though, too, is that as you remember, you know I mentioned about the long game. I mean, w- you'd be surprised that you know the people that you meet. This is Cornet's always been like a family, and I've always looked at it that way. I mean, I think we're uh, such you know we are the best chapter in the world. We know we're this you know may not only be the second largest by chapter, but I think the connections that we make last a lifetime through our career. And being 30 years into this, 13 plus in Cornet. Um, I've seen it play out many times over where even if you change roles, people are out there to help you. Um, you know, even if you're, if you're doing, you know, um, a pitch to a company, you find out that three of the people are on the other side of the fence are people you socialize with at Cornet. you know, and it helps, you know, show that, that ability to sort of get to know somebody and network, but it creates a a trust, a, you know, sort of really hones in on that. There's a, not just a family oriented, but you really sort of get a lot, the more you get involved, the more passionate you can move different subject matters forward and the more you can sort of get back. But also be on the forefront. I mean, we are Silicon Valley. And so... It you know we are at the forefront of some of the the leading technology and the leading ways of working that you know we can strive to sort of understand and sort of move the entire industry forward, and so getting involved in that is really important and in, in contributing um, to to the the our our industry.
0: So if you are a member already today, I think Ernst just did a great job of saying. To get engaged, to get involved. Again, you can be a passenger in Cornet, and that's okay. But the real value starts to get unlocked the more engaged and the more involved you are in the chapter, and in things like uh, committees and the other things that Ernst talked about. And you know, with all sincerity, Ernst, uh, I want to thank you as a member uh, for your service to Cornet Northern California. You know, you are part of the fabric of the chapter and your role as president will leave a really important imprint uh, for years to come. So thank you so much for stepping into that role. Robert. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's shift into getting to know a little bit more about you outside of Cornet and outside of abnormal security. Uh, you've been in the industry for three decades, right? That You and I sort of have that in common. I'm curious as you look at the industry over that time, you know, from a very high level, what has changed? What what have you seen the industry um, evolve into? You know, what is sort of notable for you over that time frame?
1: Yeah, I think you know, in the early part of our career, maybe the first decade, I think the biggest profound change was a shift to more of an outsourcing model. Um, for many years we actually um internalized everything we had in-house movers in-house construction in-house hvac techs inside planners so everything was really embedded in the company and really sort of really moved that the uh, the company's were bought into what the company was doing and this big shift occurred um you know not necessarily for the worst, but it was just, it was different. And we really were now um, highly dependent on ensuring that the people that we hired as our suppliers and our our vendors really gave us the expertise that we all used to sought, seek back in, in, in those days. So, you know, I used to think I want to be the expert in everything, um, but then now it's like, it, I don't have the time to do that. And then now I have to bring on somebody else in to sort of do that and have a relationship with these um, very um, important providers. So I think it sort of shifted in that mindset where you really had to learn, you know, how to manage, you know, contractual relationships, but still have them buy into your company ideals and strategic plan. So, you know, they are moving it forward as well. Um, and then making sure that, you know, they're rewarded as well over time. But I think that was one of the profound shifts. And I think the one thing that I will say that probably was a downside of that is we sort of lost the entry-level position. You know, for those of us who came in the industry early enough, we we didn't have to have experience and we were able to come right into a job and learn and had the ability to sort of learn. And that's where, you know, I think that, Again, it shapes how I look at Cornet. Is I was provided the effort to be mentored. I was given the time to learn and grow. I was, you know, nurtured in a way of if I didn't know something, that was okay, and I could I could learn about it by either networking or even picking, you know, back in those days, picking up some books and reading, you know. And so I think that you know we owe it to ourselves, and that's one way of giving back to Cornet. So the industry really dramatically shifted during that time, and then I think that every trade, every discipline that we manage in the, in the construct of all of real estate and workplace also evolved and the technology evolved quicker. So things are starting to accelerate much faster and faster. And then when sort of, you sort of had these accelerating, you know, before you could do, you can go out and get a bid and have the project done. Now you have to, you know, in some cases, do multi-million dollar products with having no idea what the design was, but you had to sort of still estimate it. So I think it forces us to really do less with, um, do more with less information. So that's, I think that's, you know, but also trust in the information that we're receiving with the right experts and surrounding them with the right people. So, you know, as we sort of sort of move forward, I think it's accelerated technology. I think we've become, a much bigger industry because we are now blended into um, the workplace experience. You know, I've always felt part of people or the human resources part of it. um, Even if I wasn't reporting into that chain and some, obviously in some cases, I was, you know, both the finance and that, but I think it's, we've really also evolved and really be really stewards of, of understanding human behavior and making sure that we're, empathetic to how people can be productive at work and you know it's hard to be productive every single day because obviously we have personal lives but i think we've become you know stewards of um, psychology in a way to sort of help people manage and be the, you know, their best self at work so they can really be as productive and be more empathetic to the things that they go through but give them sort of space to sort of grow and learn
0: Yeah, as you went through that, as you were describing that, sort of made me think of, you know, for the first half of our careers, the building was the customer, the built environment was really where our focus went. The second half, or at least the last decade, employees and employee experience, and their hearts and minds, and all the things that you said, uh, that that shift has started. And we've been able to see that shift happen uh, in the time we've been in the industry. with that evolution that you talked about, and you actually started down that path a little bit, does that change your approach to the industry where you sit right now? Uh, you know, because maybe you're more focused on people or you're more dependent on partners. Has that overall influenced or changed your approach?
1: Now, I, you know, I don't think so. And I, I truly believe, um, and this goes back to even in my career of, just being in in sales and in, uh, in, in more of your retail sales or food service sales um is really just understanding the customer. And that's, you know, one of the things that you have to be able to really just listen. And, you know, you know, because I know that even in, when we're, like you mentioned the built environment, you know, you remember the days of standards, right? Each office was 200 square feet and, you know, whether you know it, would just because it created an expectation, so people understood what they received when they hit a certain position. But you know, really, when you understand, you know, if you really take the time to listen to not only who the person is, what they do, and how they do it, also not only as a behavior but also as a function, then you kind of realize how you can adapt that to what you're doing. You know, and I have some very simple examples that I've used in the past where you know, especially it's really important to understand the business that you're in. We may like, I may not be a software engineer, um, but I have to understand how they do the work. And so, and listen to how people kind of work so I can make sure I provide the right environment and the right experience for them to do their best work. You know, one of the things I've always said, you know, I just remember the first time and this is goes back to my first professional career is I was at Franklin Templeton, a mutual fund company and the fax machine broke. And back then we were responsible for fax machines. Most people wouldn't think much of it, but if you think about the time back then, you couldn't close a trade without a fax machine with, with the banks. And so when the, when the market kind of closes and you know, you have 180 mutual funds and millions of, of shareholders, you have to do that manually. So the importance of having the ability to understand how that impacts that organization was paramount. And that you, it may not be a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to them. So you find these little things in every in every role and function. And so it's important to also, you know, really get to know your client really well.
0: As you look back and, and you've had that, you know, uh, get to know the business, let me understand the business perspective. Is there a project or a piece of work that you've done when you look backwards that you're just really proud of or you say, oh man, I really got that right? You know, is there something that stands out for you?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's lots of different experiences and projects I've worked on, but I always go back to my first experience and and it, because it, it shaped me in a different way. Some ways I learned more than I wanted to, um, but I had the uh, opportunity to actually in my first role, build a campus almost up to a million square feet. And we did everything. So I had the opportunity to really uh, learn about every single industry, from development to construction to operations, security, safety. Um, we spec'd out every material from the carpet on through the furniture that was delivered. And I had to get to know each and every item. Um, Fortunately, I had the time to do so, but it's very interesting to really, um, be, you know, study that and being able to sort of really deliver it. So, um, and I'd be honest, even though that I have sort of some experience in light construction and, and, and from my education, some of my, um, other experiences, I really didn't know much about building construction. So when I was sitting there in the construction trailer, Knowing, I mean, I was seeing words fly by that I had no idea what they meant. And, but I was, I took the notes, I talked to my boss, I also reached out to my industry. So when I look back on it, I can sit there and, you know, when I was just a participant in sort of a project, I was leading the build out by the last building, I was designing you know, you know, data centers and warehouses and customer service centers. And I was leading the project by even within like six years since I started. So I evolved and I think it really uh, enabled me to really understand a lot of different things and how to put it all together and really sort of lead the project. And it was, you know, something that, you know, my manager really encouraged me to learn, but he also gave me some rope. I also learned, you know, management in that, you know, first management job, you know, and then you learn, you know, what, what, you know, things aren't necessarily perfect in your first job. I think most people say when you're a first time manager, you probably learn a lot more. And, you know, I definitely evolved to be a better manager of people. Um, Also being able to scale an organization from, from, I think we were 400 to 2,500 people back then. So it's hard for me to not look at that as uh, one of my most proudest moments of really being there as part of that foundation and, and, and carrying me even today in everything that I do. So I can take different projects from different companies or different programs we've developed. Um, but I have to say that that still I carry with me because I still have that mindset of wanting to learn different things. Cause sometimes even now I may have not done a certain thing and I'm not going to sit there and say, I, I recall how to do it, but I'll go and research it again. So I still sort of have that same um, thirst for understanding. And I think obviously that's where the internet really comes in and helps because you can sort of accelerate that learning, but you have to go and find out, you have to go figure it out. It's, it's like the old saying, you know, where, you know, I wasn't necessarily taught to, you know, you know I would bring the solution as well as a problem, and so I think that's uh, really honed everything that I do and moving forward. So I, you know, that was a you know a well worth experience in my first job.
0: Wow, for you to have such a formative experience so early in your career, um, that's huge and that's awesome for you. Uh, it makes me want to ask you, uh, and you started down this path a little bit when you were talking about management and some things that shaped you as a manager. I'm a student of leadership, I teach in our chapters leadership development cohort, and so leadership is really important to me, and understanding what makes leaders tick is something that I'm, I'm very focused on. Uh, if you think of yourself as a leader, you know, where you are today, what shaped you as a leader? Uh, does it go all the way back to that formative experience that you just talked about? you know, your early in career experience, or are there things or different people that shaped you along the way? Like, you know, give us a sense of how you got to be the leader that you are today.
1: Yeah, there's no question. I think it does go back all the way there. Um, You know, oftentimes you do try to emulate people around you as well, and you can recognize good leadership right away. And you also know when if you ever had a, um, a dynamic leader that you work for, or a leader that maybe was good, but you had some things maybe you wouldn't do. It does really sort of shape you into in, sometimes in the current role or even adop- uh, evolving your own role. I mean, there's no question, I think in a lot of ways that, um, you know, we try I always try to look at it that nobody's nobody's they're all individuals. They all bring something to the table. They're not gonna have the same viewpoint, the same process to get to certain things. Sometimes they need a little coaching and sometimes they just need to be left alone and really do that. So I think when you when you think about all the group all the great leaders I've had, what made me motivated when I was being led you know, I try to give that back. And I think, you know, I've made mistakes in, in leadership. There's no question I wouldn't have learned if I didn't, you know. And so, um, you know, I definitely learned to be more patient, uh, really focused on listening, but also, you know, finding out who the person is and sort of how they need my help and how they need my coaching. In some ways, sometimes it's, you know, you have to sort of really adapt that to the particular person and what you want done. I think at the end of the day, the outcome is the correct outcome within the time that's there, um, I think that's really what we strive to be, right? So, everyone has a different way of getting there. And I think it's okay for us to just allow that to happen. I think you need to be very clear on the expectations. You know, that's, you know, definitely there. And, you know, and I've said it a few times in this conversation is that you can't be afraid to fail. And, you know, even as managers, you know things happen you know sometimes it's beyond your control and we you know we need to really be you know understanding that those you know from those failures comes improvement and comes you know so many different things that they become such a better person i've seen very many people that i worked for me that really turn things around if they were having some issues but I've also seen people that I've I've that worked for me that actually have developed in their own career and you know I like to think that hopefully I've had a contribution in that
0: Yeah I'm sure you have I mean the way you describe your leadership style and the way you like to get to know and care about the person and be more of a coach leader versus a command and control leader I think that will have a big influence on those that you've led those that follow you over the years and I just love that leadership story and frankly I could talk to you for another hour about who you are as a leader but let's do this let's shift into the personal domain uh, just a bit so that people get can get to know you outside of the way we see you in the industry and the way we see you as the chapter president Uh, if we were to bump into you on a Saturday where would you be or what would you be doing like what does that look like for you
1: Um. Oh, well, you already know this, but you'll find me outside somewhere. Um, very passionate about um, many different activities. You know, obviously, you know, can't do everything that I used to do, but you'll always find me mountain biking in the winter, I'll be snowboarding in summer, I'll be on the water hopefully water skiing or just boating in general, um, hiking and running. So I I really just try to be active because it really helps me rejuvenate, you know, my mind and body and my soul. And I think that, you know, those have been my outlets too. you know, you know, work can be challenging. So can life. And so I find that having different outlets to do that, and, and get the right, put myself in the right headspace. And, you know, I, I 100% believe in the wellness piece of it because it really um, just invigorates the spirit.
0: Yeah, and I, and I do know that about you, but I wanted to make sure you shared that here and shared that with others because I know it's an important part of who you are. Uh, what else are you willing to share about yourself, you know, that makes you a whole person that we might not know about you that you're willing to share here?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that also has helped me personally, professionally, and we're not all perfect in, in whatever we do. So it's but I I, I always strive to be self-aware. Um, I think it's a such a quality that, you know, really is important in what you do and, and be OK with hearing constructive criticism. And in some cases, maybe not as constructive. But if it's if you take it the right way, you can sort of evolve as a person to be better at what you're doing. I I think though, the, the thing with self-awareness though, as well is, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, I always want to be better in everything that I do. Um, but I'm generally not, if say things were to sort of shift today, today I'd be very happy with where I've got to. So I always want to improve, but I don't get obsessed with, I have to be because, you know, to be perfect actually is to be imperfect. Um, You know, and I think that self-awareness goes a long way because it really says, you know, and even if it's a case where I don't see it, but if it's being perceived that way, you know, okay, then what are the things I can do to change to, you know, be better at that, whether it be as a manager or a coach or a person, just, you know, if they're seeing me and taking me, is it my communication that's different? Is my body language changing or maybe there's something I'm doing that I'm not recognizing. And I think it's okay to take stock in that. And then, you know, because, you know, we, we change as a person, you know, we're obviously we're at the later stages of careers and things, you know, uh, have different values to us. So we have to shift in that and it's okay to be, to be open to learning. I think it's when you look at with a lot of the youth in our industry bring, it's exciting. And we have to be open to that. You know, we can't be so, you know, I know we get caught in, you know, the Generation X and, you know, a lot of these labels that puts us in a position. But, you know, um, we're here to grow as a person, as an industry. So it's really important to um, listen and be stewards of of all the different opinions and ideas to make us better at what we do. And And that's also in our personal life as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that self-awareness piece is so important. And again, I know you, and I get to see that part of you, and I know the value that brings to you, to us as leaders, to us as parents, as professionals, really to all parts of our lives. You know, having that self-awareness can be so powerful. Um, You started down a path, and I want to pull on this thread just a little bit. Um, It's a bit around our industry and maybe a call to action in some of this. You know, you've got a lot of folks listening uh, to this that are, you know, across our industry, different disciplines, you have end user service providers, different levels. So you've got a pretty broad audience uh, that's probably listening to you now. From your seat uh, as an industry leader and as a chapter president, really from any of the personas that you have, what should we be thinking about uh, acting upon within our industry as a professional community and when i ask that i'm i'm asking uh, that around some of the things you even brought up earlier like you mentioned we don't have a place for entry-level people to come into our industry anymore is that somewhere we should be focused uh you know diversity inclusion and belonging is that a place we should be heavily focused climate change Uh, is another area that, you know, should we be focused there? In our region, we have housing affordability. So if you were to sort of say as an industry leader and as, um, you know, somebody with a pretty big platform, what should we be focusing on? Is it all of those, some of those, you know, how would you characterize where we should be focusing?
1: You know, I definitely think it's a a cross-section of all of them. In, in certain degrees. I think, you know, it's really important for us to, you know, it's it's really just, obviously we need to prioritize, but obviously we don't want to forget about certain things. I mean, I think sustainability is really pushing us forward. And I think it's really going to be important. And one that we're, you know, a, as we know, our impact in the built environment has a negative effect in, in climate change. And we're, it's well-documented, it's not a political discussion And so we just need to be thoughtful in those things that we do. But at the same time, we need to look at, you know, different technologies to really help advance us to really improve that over time, whether we can directly influence it or not. So I think things that we still kind of keep forward and we still have the passion for it, we can't forget about it. Um, I think when we look at uh, D&I and, you know, really inclusion, I think it's we need to be I, I do think we need to really focus that in in a way where it becomes ingrained in everything we do. It's not a checklist you sort of create oh I, i'm I'm including it's it's just how we sort of embody who we are and be able to recognize that in other people and the differences and celebrate those differences. So I, I think it's we want to get to a point where we're really thoughtful about everything that we do and you know it's 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 a challenge that a lot of us aren't used to it you know we have inherent biases that we've had. Um, Even when we look at our own events, you know, we don't really provide, you know, a lens of looking at for people coming in wheelchairs, you know, just because we may not have someone doesn't mean that we don't create accessibility, uh, availability for our members or having things where we have, um, you know, we've done a couple events where we had sign language, but really being thoughtful and that really becomes more of just who we are all the time. And it's not something we have to think about. So I think focus there as well. Housing affordability, I think that's an interesting, um, you know, uh, issue because you probably think that we can't sort of um, help in this arena. Um, But I will tell you this, more so in my current job right now, I can impact housing affordability because we are creating a remote environment where people can live anywhere where they work. And so they could have all the things they have with their life and not going through a two-hour commute just to go 45 minutes. And I think we really need to build sort of the right ecosystem for the company that sort of opens the door for allowing that flexibility. Because I think now, you know, and, and you may have heard this from me before, you know, I, I never liked the term work-life balance. It's always been work-life integration. You know, I know sometimes you should turn it off and, but I think, especially if you're part of any type of a global role, it really just is, yeah, I have the time in the middle of the day to do this, but I need to go focus on this, you know, and everyone goes through a different stage in their life, whether they're early career to late career, but life always sort of gets in the way. So if we allow people to really take care of the things they need to take care of, work wherever they need to work and focus on what their outcome is, I think we have a Um, I think that'll make a lot of things better. And if they're working from somewhere else, housing affordability won't be an issue because they're able to afford the place they want to be on. Um, And hopefully that sort of eases some of the pressure in the local area. But as you know, a lot of companies are also trying to, especially the larger ones, they're putting housing on their properties now, whether it be. So I think, you know, we need to acknowledge that you know many people won't be able to afford here so in those sort of projects we need to make sure that we advocate for things like that you're seeing all the linkages fees that are coming out of the cities those are really important things that really do impact the workers that we are supporting in our in our built environment where if if we're not able to have that linkage fee that helps uh, build affordable housing for the multiple different um, types of people where it's not you know, it's affordable to whom we always say, right? So it's the three levels of low, medium, you know, you know, different income levels and be able to have those, those housing in those markets. And it's coming out of the commercial fees for, for that. So I think that we need to be not afraid to pay those if we're developing a property or and something like that but we do have an ability to influence that and give back i mean we've we've known some really great companies that have put a lot of effort and money into this millions of dollars and i think hopefully you know in time when we we step away from our industry we can come back and say that was something that we were part of and we were able to help um, many different people have affordable housing in those locations
0: yeah so my big takeaway in what you just said is you know i in our community, in our industries, at our companies, uh, we can have uh, we can affect things that are far beyond our reach, and you know we can have influence, and we should be focusing on certain of those things that are important to us, important to our community, important to our companies, and just keeping in mind that we've got that larger reach. And I love the way you said that, you know, the way you were talking about that, because I think the message to our to those that are listening is that you can have an impact far beyond just your job or just your role. Uh, Our industry, when it comes together, we can drive change, and we probably have a responsibility to drive some change, especially in the last part of what you were talking about uh, with affordable housing, for example.
1: Yeah, it's interesting when you, you know, we always talk about trends, right? ESG is a trend, but it's not a trend. If you think about the why that's happening, is because we're all trying to be good stewards of each of the areas of, you know, environmental and and social and also governance. And there's a a community aspect to that. And that's it's it's doing the right things. And it's it's and I think that if you look at what employees want from an employer, they want to be socially relevant. They want to be conscious of these things. And I think it's more important to attract and retain talent for the business that you're doing to make sure that these um well that the company has uh, a sort of a good north star of really you know being better stewards of of our environment that's uh, more of just our community and our environment i think um and so we're, we we have to do this i don't think it's something that we it's a choice it's like we really want to really improve everything around us and we do have uh we can make change
0: well i hear a clear call to action from you. And and I'm imagining, as you sit in that president's chair, that we're going to hear some of those same messages uh, across your term, um, specific to Cornet. But uh, is that fair? Am I? It, it, are we going to hear those things from you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we hope to. I mean, I think there's, you know, we're trying to look for different ways to really um, you know, tailor our programs, um, you know, and that's one thing too, is I think, as you know, when you're part of an organization in the community, you know, we've served on, I'm sure you have served on different boards in the community, you know, whether it be like I served on the downtown San Jose um, Association. So, you know, you hear the issues are solving, but you're also the advocate for the company to help, you know, participate in what the change is required to make, better, make it a better community. Yeah.
0: Well, we covered a lot of ground, my friend. What didn't I ask you that I should have asked you?
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I would say that, you know, I do love what I do. Um, You know, no work is easy. I know that they say, well, you'll never work a day in your life if you're passionate about well, sometimes, you know, some days are tougher than others. But, you know, I, I still kind of kind of you know always want to continue to learn i'm inspired by um our our chapter youth and the direction of where technology is going i think there's you know you know there's so much things that we can sort of bring to the table um you know i love the fact that sort of you know we're bringing ourselves to the to the to, to our companies we're bringing ourselves together i think you know oftentimes we sort of compartmentalize right we you know i'm here at work i'm here at play but i think when people see us you know we're human we're and there's more to us than just work and i think that um that's again why i love our organization so well because we're so well connected and i and i look forward to connecting with people i don't know um you know and that's hard to do when you have 600 chapters but you know you know you can always strive to be better but you know, I always want to be just a good steward of, you know, of our industry and, and continue to learn and give back. And I think, you know, it's it's been so incredible experience for myself. And so, um, you know, I'm not necessarily looking back or, you know, I built that building. It's really, you know, how I have developed my relationships and, you know, is really what's most important to me.
0: Yeah, so in that spirit of connection, if somebody here wants to connect with you directly, uh, they want to reach out, what's the best way to do that? Is LinkedIn the right way to do that? Uh, or is there a different way?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously join CoinNet or come to the, Come to a meeting and, and, you know, talk to me. I think if LinkedIn is a good way, but I would say that don't blindly connect. Um, introduce yourself. Ask me why you want to connect. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, you know, LinkedIn is an incredible tool. Um, but the same thing is I want to be connected to the people that I'm connected with, that I have some, you know, whether I've met you or we can, you know, sit down and have coffee and talk about a different subject matter or something you're going through. Because I think the other thing that we do is in that it's not that we, can, you know, if we don't know the answer to the question, we can help somebody else that knows the answer to the question and make introductions. And I think that, you know, I'm open to any meeting. Um, You can always also email at you know, myabnormalsecurity.com, ekalis abnormal security. Uh, You can reach out to uh, LinkedIn, Um, just introduce yourself. Um, I think that's always key just so I get to know, uh, get to know you as well. Um, But I'm always uh, open to any conversation and um, for any reason. So just reach out.
0: Yeah, I love that. And we'll put all your contact info in the show notes so people know how to get a hold of you. And I love the rule of uh, just introduce yourself if you're going to hit me up on LinkedIn so that you know the context and somebody's put a little effort into it. And then, as I said, Ernst is very approachable at any of the chapter meetings. He loves to have people come up and chat with him. And you know, sit and have a conversation for a few minutes. So, anybody listening that wants to get to know Ernst, that's a great way to do it. It's sorry, it sounds
1: like I cut you off. Oh, no, I was going to say though, too. It's like, um, you know, things that we can do better, you know, just reach out to me. You know, I will challenge you, maybe, maybe you should come and join us to help shape where we need to go. Um, those of me know that that I always, you know, try to do that as well. But you know, we, we definitely want to make sure that we're, um, we're providing the right context and the value for different people. So I'm not afraid to, to listen and, you know, see what we can do to help you and your organization. Love
0: it. Well, Ernst, I want to thank you for joining me on CoreCast. Uh, you know, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about you. Uh, even though I've known you for so long, you know, there was a few little nuggets I was able to pull out and I'd love for you to come back before your term is up to do a check-in uh, let us know how things are going and, you know, have you share with us uh, where you are against uh, y- your plans and what success looks like. So I'd love to have you back if, if that sounds good.
1: No, Sounds great, Robert. Always a pleasure.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. We'll let you go. All right. Well, I just love that guy. It was so much fun uh, to talk with Ernst and to get a little deeper. And it's really clear why he's our chapter president. Uh, It was fun to get to learn a few new things about them. And I hope you, uh, as our listeners, uh, learned a little bit as well. I want to thank all of you for being our listeners. Um, We ask that you please share this podcast with your friends and with your colleagues. And please be sure to post it and about it on your social media. Uh, You can find links to all our past episodes on the Cornet Northern California website. And you can subscribe to hear our future episodes on iTunes or anywhere you get your pods. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Our contact information is in the show notes. And that's it for this episode of CoreCast. This is Robert Teed signing off. And until next time, work well and be well.